thank you to everyone that's uh, come along this morning. Um, <clears throat> it's been a wee while. Circumstances beyond our control. But, um, <clears throat> you know, the, the, most famous, the most famous street <clears throat> in Dublin and Ireland is, is Grafton Street. It's the big shopping centre, the big shopping place. And guess where we're staying in California? Grafton Street, Dublin. <laughs> we, feel, <clears throat> we feel completely at home. And you know, friends, we feel very at home here too in a spiritual sense in San Ramon Valley Bible Church. I was reflecting in anticipation of the meeting. I was, I was reflecting on, is it ten years ago now when, when first we came here as strangers, we knew no one or knew nobody. And I sat down here and this, at the end of the meeting, this gentleman stood up to close the meeting in prayer. Small of stature. But as I listened to him praying, I thought to myself, there's a man that can pray. And there's a man that's in touch. There's a man with feeling and warmth and heart. And before we could leave, the building he got us at the door and welcomed us here and it seemed like Adel and I had known each other all our lives we believed the same things and the saviour was precious to us both and how precious it has been to just enjoy sweet fellowship together and I'm glad that now that we're back again hopefully normally and that we can see each other again. So thank you all for coming. You don't know how encouraged I was this morning at the way the meeting progressed. I couldn't believe all the hymns and the ministry and the comments that were made about the blood of Christ because my little message this morning laid upon my heart, I believe, of the Holy Spirit himself is about the precious blood of Christ that cleanses from all sin. I was so encouraged this morning that the Lord and the Spirit could lead in that lovely way. So let's lead this, read the Scriptures together, shall we please. The first one, I'll just read them in the order that they're in the, the Bible, save you flicking back and forward, but... The first one is in the book of Exodus in chapter 12. <clears throat> Exodus chapter 12, <clears throat> and we're going to read just a couple of verses down at verse number 12. <clears throat> Exodus 12 and verse 12. This is the Lord speaking. He said, For, <clears throat> for I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, <clears throat> I will pass over you. 
and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Now the next three readings are in the New Testament. The first one in the Gospel by John, chapter 19. Gospel by John, chapter 19. And reading please down at verse number 33. And when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they break not his legs. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side and forthwith came the right blood and water. And he that saw it bear record and his record is true. And he knoweth that he saith true that ye might believe. And then there's another verse in the first epistle of Peter and in chapter 1. The first epistle of Peter chapter 1 and reading at verse number 18. For as much as you know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. And then there's one final reading in the first epistle of John. And again in chapter 1. First John chapter 1, and just reading down at verse number 7. First John 1 verse 7, But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. So these are delightful verses about the precious blood of Christ that will be our meditation now for the next few moments that we are together. Why this was kind of uppermost in my mind before we came is we had a very tragic case in England just before we came. A a mother came home. We didn't know the family. We didn't know the people involved, but it was very, very much in the news where a mother came home to the house one day at the end of her work and she had a young boy, a young son and she found the young boy totally unconscious and unresponsive on the floor could not be revived or rushed to hospital in England and he was put on a life support machine and the doctors decided that he had his brain was dead and they were going to disconnect the life support machine and she appealed to the court and the court sided with her and said that perhaps they could reconsider and they gave her a little more time so she appealed to the Supreme Court. Supreme Court sided with the doctors and said it would have to be disconnected. She went to the Court of Human Rights and they said they would have to side with the medical evidence and the machine would have to be disconnected 
disconnected. Do you know, although we didn't know that woman, we felt for her condition, her boy was going to be disconnected from that life support machine against her wishes. And we prayed for that woman at home, even though we didn't know her. And, you know, one night I said to my wife, Anne, I said, you know, Anne, that woman probably doesn't know, but even though that boy has never, ever probably heard the gospel in his life, that young boy, you know that that young boy, if they do disconnect that machine, he'll be sheltered by the precious blood of Christ that was shed for children Shed for all, but shed for children too. And just like we read in Exodus chapter 12, all who were sheltered neath the blood that was applied, the children, the firstborn, the children were preserved because of sheltering neath the blood. And I believe, although that woman doesn't understand it, or maybe ever heard it, I believe that little boy will be sheltered by the precious blood of Christ that was shed upon the cross. And then we began to think how little, how little in our Christian life we really talk about that precious blood. And I hope tonight or this morning, our prayer this morning is that we might be enhanced in our appreciation, in our gratitude for that precious blood that was shared out and willingly shared out for us. By the Saviour on Calvary's middle tree. That day he walked up Calvary's, he walked up Calvary's hill. That we might walk with him in heaven and shed that precious blood in order that we might be forgiven. You know, it's not a popular theme in the world outside to talk about the precious blood of Christ. We have a friend at home who went to a care home and it was on his mind to get the hymn book and at the end of the little address that he was giving to the dear people to give out a hymn about that precious blood. And he searched through the book for some of the hymns that we sang this morning about the power of the blood and what can wash away my sin, nothing but the blood of Jesus. He couldn't find any in the book. And at the end of his little time, he saw one of the conveners of that home. And he said to him, to that man, he said, I was looking for a hymn about the blood. And that man said, he said, we took all the, we took all the hymns about the blood out of the hymn book long ago. We don't believe, we don't believe in that kind of thing anymore. And it's not a popular thing out there to think how much we owe to that precious blood of Christ. The Bible says, Hebrews 9, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness for sin. Brothers and sisters, this morning, if he had not shed his blood, none of us would be here. None of us would be right for heaven. We don't get to heaven because we shed a tear. We don't get to heaven because we have just an ounce of faith within our hearts. We get to heaven because he shed his precious blood on Calvary's middle cross. We're thankful for the precious blood 
of Christ that's dear and precious to our hearts. Have you ever thought that when you read your Bible, the first blood that was ever shed in the Bible was shed by a shepherd. The first blood that was ever shed was shed by a shepherd. You remember that Abel was a keeper of the sheep. He was a shepherd. And the first man who ever cried out in pain in the open field and shed his blood was a shepherd. Cain, the Lord said to him, Cain, the voice of thy brother's blood crieth out to me from the ground. He was a shepherd and his blood was shed in the open field. Brothers and sisters, does it not remind us this morning of the good shepherd who gave us life for the sheep? We have a hymn that we sing at home. Maybe you know it here as, as well. The words are these, I have a shepherd, one I love so well. How he has blessed me, tongue can never tell. And on that cross, on that cross he suffered. Listen to it. Shed his blood. Shed his blood and died. That I might ever in his love abide. Thankful today, aren't we, for the good shepherd who gave his life for the sheep. The lovely hymns that we sing. Cowper. Cowper the great. The great English poet. In the, in the midst of all his poetry, he wrote one of the most lovely hymns that we love to, to sing together. Cowper said, There is a fountain, there is a fountain filled with blood, drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners, sinners like ourselves that are plunged beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. I'm thankful today that all my guilty stains have been washed away. Not by baptism. Not by the taking of communion. Not by prayers or not by good works. But because of the precious blood of Christ. We're thankful today for that fountain shed at Calvary. You've probably never heard of Leslie Weatherhead. Leslie Weatherhead was a prominent theologian in the Church of England. And Leslie Weatherhead is on record as saying, when quizzed about salvation and when quizzed about his basis for heaven, he said, I'm not going to heaven by way of the butcher's shop. That's how he saw the shedding of the blood. That's how he envisaged Calvary, the butcher's shop. I tell you this, friends, today, if he wasn't going to heaven by way of the blood, he wasn't going to heaven at all. And we are thankful for that precious blood that cleanses from all sin. I want to tell you three things this morning about that precious blood. We read in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us 
from all sin. Brothers and sisters, let us be honest this morning. We all need it to be cleansed. Outwardly, we all look quite presentable and possible. But underneath is a dark heart that's prone to sin and prone to failure and prone to wander away from God. And we need it to be cleansed. And there's only one thing that would cleanse us. And do you remember this was the, this was the question that Job had so long ago? Job in the Old Testament, that man that came through three many troubles and trials. Here's what Job said in Job chapter 25. Here was Job's question. How can he be clean? How can he be clean that is born of a woman? How can you be clean? You see, you need to be clean. You need to be cleansed. The old preacher back in Ireland, he was in a train one day. It was one of those old trains, you know, in the carriages, the people were all sitting and then there was a, a corridor that you could walk up the whole length of the train outside the carriages. Do you remember those old trains? And he's walking up through this Corridor looking into all the carriages looking for a seat. And every seat is taken. And he's on a long journey and he thinks he's going to have to stand amidst the crowd who were standing in the corridor. But he comes to one carriage. And here in the middle, he can't believe it in the midst of this crowded train. Here's a seat that's vacant, unoccupied. And he opens the door and goes into the carriage and sits down. And then when he sits down, he realizes why the seat was vacant. Because the man who's sitting beside him in the corner was a chimney sweep. And immediately he's aware of the the air of the dust and the smell of the dust and the soot and all that comes with cleaning chimneys. And he realizes why nobody would sit beside him. He said, I felt defiled. But he went on to say, brothers and sisters, he went on to say it wasn't as defiling as sin. The defilement of sin, that which has marked every one of us, which makes us defiled in the sight of a holy God. It's worse, than, it's worse than soot. It's the defilement of sin. And not that defileth, not that defileth, shall ever enter in. We need it to be cleansed. And Job has got an answer to his question. Maybe somebody says, well, maybe I'm not that bad. Maybe you're slightly exaggerating. Maybe I'm not just as bad as you might say. Well, listen to what Isaiah says in the Old Testament in Isaiah 64. Isaiah says, we are all as an unclean thing. 
we are all as an unclean thing. Oh, brothers and sisters, how much we are dependent upon cleansing by that precious blood. I was only... I've been going to meetings now, services like this for... I'm not going to tell you how long, actually. (laughs) And you know, in those meetings that I've been in, just like this, there's only been three occasions when people have shouted out from the congregation. Just three occasions in all those years. I hope this is not going to be the fourth. The first one was, you may remember, it's quite a few years ago now, a number of Chilean miners were trapped down the mine in Chile. And there had been a collapse of earth and the shaft was blocked. And so they had to build a parallel, they had to bore a parallel shaft. And then bore along to where the men were. And the families were all gathered on the surface. And it was a race against time with the oxygen run out. And eventually they bore down and across. And whenever that first miner was brought to the surface there in Chile, the shout went up from the families that were gathered round about, Rescued! He's rescued. And the preacher was building on that because it was on that very night he was preaching. And he said the problem today is that people don't want to be rescued. People are content in their sin and they don't want to be rescued. And there's a big man sitting right at the back. And he shouts out in the middle of the meeting, Preacher, I want to be rescued. (laughs) I want to be rescued. And the preacher, of course, dealt with him in the way that he could from the Scriptures and helped him. That was one time. And then another time in a little meeting where women never spoke. It was the first time a woman's voice was ever heard publicly before or since. And in the middle of the meeting, this woman shouted out, would that we could hear it more. I accept him now to be my personal saviour. Right in the middle of the meeting. And she shouted out that she had accepted the Lord Jesus Christ was her saviour. But the third one was the one that I was wanting to come to because... The preacher one night in another meeting was saying, you know, regardless of how vile you are, regardless of your background, regardless of what has happened in the past, none can be too vile to be saved and to be born again and to be forgiven. And all of a sudden the man shouted out from the audience, he said, preacher, prove that statement. Prove that statement. And although it took the preacher by surprise, he said, that's very simple to answer. He said, one verse will prove that statement. 
the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses from all sin. All sin. Every kind of sin. Secret sins. Open sins. Sins that are defiling. And at the end of the meeting, as he shook the preacher's hand, as he went out through the door, he said to him, Preacher, he said, I killed a man. One time I killed a man. I took a man's life. Can I be forgiven for that? The preacher just said again, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. There's nobody here has killed a man. But I tell you this, regardless of whatever your background may be, there's power in the blood. It'll never lose its power to take away our sin, our stain, our defilement, and make us right for heaven and for home. The blood of Christ that cleanses from all sin. What does Peter tell us in his little verse? Peter says it redeems the soul. Have you noticed what it said? For we know. For we know that we are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold, but with the precious. People say at home, oh, you can't know. You can't know till you get home to heaven whether you're forgiven or not, or whether you have salvation. You can't really know. Peter says we can know. For we know that we are not redeemed with corruptible things, but with the precious blood of Christ. What does it mean to be redeemed? It means that somebody sets the price. Somebody sets the price to set us free. Somebody sets the price. Somebody pays the price to set us free. And on on that dark day on Calvary's hill, when the Savior bowed his head and died and said, It is finished. That price was paid to set me free. To cleanse me from a life of sin and a life of bondage. Listen, brothers and sisters, the world today is a world of bondage. People are held captive by drugs, by alcohol, by lust, by sin. A world of bondage. And you and I have been set free. Because of that precious blood of Christ that has redeemed the soul. What a price. What a price that was paid for us at Calvary's tree. I went to see a dear man. You know, I couldn't believe it. He was the father of one of our members. He was in the hospice. He wasn't long for leaving this world. And I couldn't believe that even though he had lung cancer caused by, caused by tobacco smoking, I couldn't believe that he said on one occasion he was still able to get up and walk. He said, if you wouldn't mind, he said, I have to get out and to have a cigarette. The very thing that was causing, that had caused his awful disease, his awful condition, was still binding him. Even in the moments, even in the days and weeks before his death. A world that's held captive by these things. But listen, brothers and sisters, the old hymn says, He breaks the power of cancelled sin and He sets the prisoner free. His blood, His blood can make the vilest clean. 
his blood avails for me. We can all say today, hallelujah, what a saviour. If the Son, if the Son shall set you free, you shall be free indeed. We're free. We're free because of that precious blood of Christ that redeems the soul. The last little point is in Exodus chapter 12. The blood not only cleanses from all sin, and it not only redeems the soul, but it shelters. It shelters from divine judgment. It shelters from divine judgment. Now there's a thing we don't hear so much today about as judgment. God is a God of love and Surely God would not punish men because of their sin. God is a God of love. Brothers and sisters, let me make this statement to you that you might remember it. Whether you're a Christian or whether you're a non-Christian, remember just now what I'm going to say. You cannot be born in sin and you cannot live in sin and you cannot practice sin And you cannot die in sin without escaping the consequences of sin. Because the wages of sin is eternal death. And men may believe different things in the world and water it down. But after this, the Bible says, it is appointed unto men once to die. But after this, the judgment. It was a Presbyterian minister in a town near where we live, who announced in the press that he was going to speak on a week of subjects beginning with whatever happened to, whatever happened to. And one of them was, whatever happened to prayer and fasting. That was a good subject. And then another one was, whatever happened to sin? Nobody talks about sin anymore. Whatever happened to sin? But you know what one of them was? was? Whatever happened to divine judgment? Whatever happened to divine judgment? Do we believe Listen, if we really believed it as Christians and it really touched our hearts the way it should, that it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment, divine judgment for the ungodly. My, would we not be more earnest? And would we not be more sincere? And would we not be more, more prayerful? Whatever happened to divine judgment? What's going to shelter us? We need a shelter. A shelter in the time of storm. I think someone quoted the hymn this morning. I was thinking about it. Charlotte Elliott's lovely hymn. You know that Charlotte was a girl in the south of England in ill health. And whenever Charlotte's family went off to church, Charlotte was often left at home alone. She didn't know the Savior for herself. Although her family were very Christ-like and religious and saved and good people. 
One day a preacher from abroad came to visit. And in front of others, he said to Charlotte at the dinner table when she was able to join them, he said, Charlotte, are you a believer? Charlotte was angry. She was embarrassed. And she said to the preacher, more or less, it's none of your business. She didn't maybe just say it as bluntly as that, but you know, that's what you meant. And she retired to her room offended. Imagine asking me if I'm a Christian. And then she thought about it. And two or three days later, when the preacher was still there, she came back down and she apologized. She said, you know, I'm not a Christian. I would love to be a Christian. I would love to come to Christ, but I don't know how to come. And the preacher says, Charlotte, just come as you are. Just come as you are. And Charlotte went to her room and she looked at the lightful hymn. After she had trusted the Savior at her bedside, she said, just as I am without one plea, listen to the line, but that thy blood was shed for me. And that thou bids me come to thee. O Lamb of God, I come. It's as simple as that, isn't it? Isn't that the simplicity of salvation? His blood is sufficient. His blood has been provided. His blood has been shed. And that thy blood was shed for me. O Lamb of God. You know when Charlotte Elliot died, and they searched her little room in her home, down in Bristol in the south of England. They searched through a number of letters that she had received over the years since she wrote that hymn. And they were all along this line. Charlotte, dear Charlotte, I never knew you, I never met you, but I want to thank you for writing that hymn because it was through that lovely hymn that I came to Jesus for myself. Thousands of letters of people that have been pointed to Christ because of Charlotte Elliot's hymn. So it shelters. It shelters from divine judgment. There's one little story I want to tell you before we finish. I was touched this morning, brothers and sisters, when our brother here gave out that hymn What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Before I came, I wanted to tell you this story. And I bowed my head this morning, Lord, and said, Thank you, Lord, for divine guidance in the way the meeting has gone and in the way you've led me in preparation for this meeting and laid this story upon my heart. Catherine Hooper was her name. Catherine was born in the country of Wales, a working class family. Her father was a miner. And Catherine was sent along to the little Sunday school in a local 
evangelical hall. And though our family were irreligious, there was a hymn that Catherine loved more above them all because of its tune and because of its contents, because of its words. What was the hymn? What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And as a young girl, she couldn't understand it. How could the blood of Jesus, how could that wash away my sin? She couldn't understand it. One day her father came home and told them the news that the mine was closing. The government was closing all the mines. And the father said, I have no option but to emigrate. And I'm going to Canada. We're going to Canada to emigrate to Canada. There's still some mining there. I get a job. And Catherine Hooper and her family with her father and mother went to Canada to live. And Catherine said herself, he went to a church there where the blood was never mentioned. And she said, as I grew up into my early teens, she said, I began to wonder, does anybody in Canada ever know anything about the precious blood of Christ that cleanses from all sin? One night as a girl in her teens, she was walking the street in the city of Toronto in Canada. And there was an open air, a number of Christians were gathered in the open air preaching. She stopped to listen. And at the end, somebody said, we'll sing a hymn. What was the hymn? They began to sing, those Canadian brethren who loved the Lord and loved the blood. They sang with all their hearts, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. When the singing was finished, she approached some of the men. Afterwards, actually, she actually followed them to see where they would go. She followed them up the street to a little gospel hall. And she said to one of the men, Is it all right for a stranger to come in? And they asked her what the difficulty was and she said, I haven't heard about that precious blood since I was a girl. I would like to know more about that precious blood because I need to be cleansed from my sin. And that night in that little gospel hole, she bowed her head and her heart and accepted Jesus Christ as her Savior and was cleansed from every sin and every stain. She had a little family of her own as time went by. And Catherine, when she was still in her 40s, was diagnosed with incurable cancer. And the preacher told us as he gathered round the bed with her little family by her side, saying farewells, saying good night but not goodbye. Why? Because of the precious blood of Christ that cleanses us from all sin. We'll meet Catherine someday, never met her. 
But I always touch my heart to hear that story told of the girl that found the Savior through the precious blood of Christ in Toronto in Canada those years ago. Isn't it wonderful, brothers and sisters, the meeting we've had this morning? Isn't it wonderful that in our hearts there has begot a fresh appreciation for the blood of Christ that was shed on Calvary's cross? The blood makes us safe, but the word makes us sure. So let the two go together. Read the Bible and be sure and have that knowledge of the precious blood of Christ that makes us safe for heaven and for home for all eternity. Shall we pray? Father, we're so thankful for that day when the Savior, barefoot perhaps, with a crown of thorns upon his lovely brow, walked up Calvary's hill to be made a curse on Calvary's tree for his hands to be feet to, for his hands to be pierced for his feet to be nailed for his hand for his side to be pierced with that Roman spear and for his precious blood to be shed Father we're thankful for all who have been cleansed by virtue of that precious blood may it be precious to us in the days to come and grant Lord that if there's any who have never availed of that blood for forgiveness of their sin, that in the quietness of this moment they may avail of it now and accept the Lord Jesus to be their very own Saviour. Take our thanks, Lord, for a lovely day together. Take our thanks for lovely Christians here, for lovely friends, for all the years of fellowship that we have enjoyed. And give us a good day, Lord, to gather in your courts as we give thanks for all these things. In his lovely name, amen.